0: This is Tyquan Lewis. You're listening to Dash to the Draft on SportsCrunch. Welcome back to SportsCrunch with D. Crom, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, David Cromwell. The 2018 NFL Draft is in the books, but there is no way we stop our 2018 Dash to the Draft series without a recap of each team's draft haul. Just like our draft previews for each team, these recaps will be done on a division by division basis. We begin these recaps with the AFC East, and it was a pleasure to have Connor Rogers join us to help break it all down. Along with the renowned NFL draft analyst Matt Miller, Connor co hosts Stick to Football, one of the best football podcasts out there, and he also contributes to Bleacher Report. Without further ado, here is Connor's take on the 2018 draft classes of the Jets, Bills, Dolphins, and Patriots. Connor Rogers, thank you so much for donating time out of your busy schedule and joining us today.
1: Oh, of course, David. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it.
0: You're very welcome, Connor. And uh, let's start out with the team in your backyard, the New York Jets. And they had to be praising the heavens that Sam Darnold, the top quarterback on their board, as well as on most other boards around the league, fell in their lap with the third overall pick. Now that the celebration is over, the main issue with Sam Darnold is when should he see the field this season? Regardless of how he progresses with his mechanics over these next couple of months, would it be better for him to be the starter week one, or would it be better for him to spend the first four to eight weeks of the season on the bench?
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple of factors that weigh into that when you look at it. I think Sam Darnold offers this football team a lot of upside in the big play department. When you see what Darnold can do, not only with his arm, but his ability to extend plays with his legs, Josh McCown is a guy that was very solid last year, but there was definitely a handful of games where the yards per attempt were a little low, and it did hamper the offense. So I think Donald offers more upside there. I think it's not going to be the easiest start for the Jets. They got to travel uh, on primetime Monday Night Football to open the season in Detroit. Week two against Miami and week three against the Browns isn't isn't the worst, but week four against that Jacksonville defense at Jacksonville would be a nightmare for any quarterback not just only a rookie. So uh, it can go a couple different ways. I think the X factor in all of this is is truly Teddy Bridgewater. When you look at him, nobody knows what he's going to come back as. You know, how much pressure is he willing to put on the knee? Is he 80%? Is he 90%? Will he ever be what he was? Cuz Teddy Bridgewater can start and win football games for the Jets if he is healthy. That's a gigantic if. But if the competition comes down to only McCown versus Darnold because of Bridgewater's health, it makes a sense to just start Darnold right off the start, you know, take his lumps and really ride the the highs and lows of his play as a rookie, as a guy that's not even 21 years old yet.
0: Yes, that does make a lot of sense. And another thing I really liked about this Jets draft class is how they reloaded their defensive line. And that front free is a crucial staple of Todd Bowles' scheme. Uh, in round three, they drafted Nathan Shepard out of Fort Hays State, who was a top 50 talent on many boards. In round six, they might have gotten a steal with Foley Fatakasi out of Connecticut, and Lance Zierlein and Dade Brugler had a late third, early fourth round grade on him. And last but not least, they shipped their seventh round pick to the Colts for Henry Anderson. How will those three additions help Leonard Williams become even more of a disruptive force this season?
1: Well, I think they can fill the roles that Todd Bowles needs up front as run stoppers. And with Shepard, I think there's a little upside there as a pass rusher. I think that was why he was so highly coveted coming out of a college like Fort Hays State. I think people saw his one day that he was healthy at the senior bowl and said, wow, he can he can really put a beating on offensive linemen with a variety of pass rush moves. With Todd Bowles, you're looking for interchangeable defensive linemen. That's what these, this defensive coaching staff likes. They like guys that can kick outside and play five tech. They like guys that can kick inside and play three tech. They did bring back Mike Pinnell to play nose and shade nose. They have Steve McClendon there who can play three tech. They have Leonard Williams there who has played literally on every defensive alignment along the defensive line. And the three guys they just got Henry Anderson played a lot of five tech in Indy. He's going to play a little three tech here as well. When you look at Shepard, another guy, like I said, he can take on that Mo Wilkerson role, and once again, play five-tech outside the offensive tackle to try to generate a pass rush. Foley Fadakasi is a guy that is a fantastic run stuffer, not much of a pass rusher, but against the run, he's rock solid on the interior. So the Jets now have this really six-man rotation along the defensive line that are interchangeable parts, and that's what this defensive staff was looking for. So they did a really nice job going into this draft and coming out now with a full rotation.
0: They most certainly did, and moving from New York City, East Rutherford, New Jersey, to Western New York, and the Buffalo Bills, who decided that they would be the team that would take a chance on Josh Allen, who is, from a statistical perspective, the riskiest quarterback prospect to enter the NFL draft in the past 60 or so years. However, given the below-average quarterback play ahead of him, there is a good chance he gets rushed into action far too soon behind a depleted offensive line. And moreover, if Allen does indeed get rushed into action, he'll be throwing to arguably the worst pass-catching core in the entire National Football League. Is Buffalo the worst spot imaginable for Josh Allen to have landed?
1: I think it's up there. I think I think Cleveland would have been pretty rough, too. But when you look at Buffalo's roster right now, they have less than that Cleveland offense does by a large gap. So... I don't love the fit here. I'm glad they only were able to go up to the seventh pick to get him. They wanted to climb much higher than that and give up everything. And in the long run, that helped them still net Tremaine Edmonds. I think the bills did a really nice job with their, you know, their next two picks in Edmonds and Phillips. but the Allen pick, it seems like they're setting up for him to be a bust, which is a nightmare. When you, we saw what this guy is like when the load is on his shoulders at Wyoming last year, it's not pretty, Now the competition is getting harder in another similar situation where his team around him is not very good and he has a lot of his own struggles as well.
0: He most certainly does, and great point about that Wyoming team last year, but the reason why that Wyoming team was still able to qualify for a bowl game and win was because of that defense, and the Play Devils advocate, at least this year, the Bills, as you alluded to, they're quietly putting together a very, very solid defense, and they continued to do so in this draft with, as you said, Tremaine Edmonds with their second first-round pick, and Harrison Phillips in round three, who is a Kyle Williams clone. He will definitely... Uh, probably be Kyle Williams' long-term term replacement. And also, uh, Taron Johnson and Saran Neal, two guys we saw at the Senior Bowl. Those are two good picks later on that uh, could give their secondary even more uh, depth. And also, Star Tulele in free agency, who, along with Harrison Phillips and Kyle Williams, will help keep blockers off of Trevade Edmonds, freeing him up to make some plays. So given those impressive additions the Bills made to the defensive side of the ball in this draft and in free agency, can this Buffalo D consistently keep them in games because they're going to have to, since this offense is poised, to take a big step backwards this season.
1: Yeah, I think you can. I think they're a very well-coached unit, too, and that doesn't get said enough. I like the addition of Edmonds as their Mike linebacker in the middle of the defense. He's got long arms to really cover the passing lanes. He's strong. He's young. He's fast. He could do a lot of different things. And you said it about Harrison Phillips. He's a guy that can be pretty disruptive for a tweener defensive lineman. He's just all around impressive. He lived in the backfield in college. He's probably the smartest player in the entire draft. We had an extended conversation with him on stick to football. He's super impressive. He's pro ready. And like you said, they did pretty decent at the end of this draft, too, with, you know, Saron Neal. I think even Wyatt Teller, the guard they got from Virginia Tech, was a solid pick. When you talk about this defense, though, uh, it's funny. I I said a couple weeks ago to somebody, the Bills are going to lose a lot of 9-3 to games because they have a good defense. They have a well-coached unit. I just don't know how this offense is going to be able to put up points outside of the work of LaShawn McCoy.
0: Absolutely. And continuing to play devil's advocate for a second here, uh, one of the most common reasons for the Bills taking Josh Allen, I've heard from people who know uh, some coaches in that building, Uh, they say that the Bills, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean were in Carolina and they oversaw the development of Cam Newton, a quarterback who uh, is big and has a strong arm has intriguing athleticism, but has severe accuracy issues. Not saying Josh Allen is Cam Newton by any stretch, but they believe that they could build a roster to cover up for Allen's weaknesses and design an offensive system to allow him to not have to play hero ball, but to make those three or four splash plays a game that they might need to win. I'm not saying it'll happen this year, but do you think that the bills have some reason for hope if the plan goes uh, according to plan?
1: Yeah, they do. I understand that thought process. When you look at Cam Newton, he's a player that has completed under 60% of his passes over his last four seasons and still, still been able to help that offense score points. So, I mean, you really date back to 2015 when he had 35 touchdowns to only 10 interceptions and was still under 60% thrower, but he was a big play threat all the time. That's what they want to get out of Josh Allen. You can live with the accuracy issues, if you're hitting home runs, it's really a good analogy. Is looking at a baseball player, some power hitters in the league only hit 230 or 240 and still hit over 30, 35 home runs a game, a season. That's what you're kind of hoping with Josh Allen. You want him to hit the long ball, you want him to hit those 20 to 25 yard kind of passes and really open up the offense. And then you don't need to worry about his completion percentage as much or the turnovers as much because the big splash plays outweigh the bad, or at least come clean and even. I just kind of think that's wishful thinking in the long run.
0: I think it's wishful thinking as well, personally, but Josh is a very good kid, and I hope he proves us all wrong. And now moving on.
1: I've really like Josh.
0: Absolutely. He was a nice guy to cover at the Senior Bowl. And uh, moving down to the Miami Dolphins right now, and by the way, there's an amazing feature series on Yahoo.com about their scouting staff and all they went through, headed up to this draft season, during uh, the fall when they were scouting college players all the way up into draft night. It's a series that you should check out. It's uh, phenomenal. And the first guy in their draft class was Mika Fitzpatrick. And the main knock on him from some of the draft community is that he is a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none talent that needs a permanent position in order to fully achieve his tremendous potential. In this Miami Dolphins defensive scheme, is that position slot corner? Is it box safety or is it elsewhere?
1: I think it's all over the place. I think this is one of the safest picks of the entire first round. You get Minka Fitzpatrick, a top 10 player, really a top eight player at the 11th overall selection. You have a secondary that does need some help. You probably do need some help in the front seven. When you look at what Minka does, I don't think he has the length and, desirable traits to be a consistent outside corner, but I like when he kicks in and covers the slot. I think he can run and be physical enough with tight ends, especially move tight ends. something. They, they drafted in the second round with Mike Gesecki. And he's also very good in the box. He was an effective blitzer at Alabama with his timing. He can really stick his nose against the inside and outside run. So Mika Fitzpatrick, this is kind of where the NFL is trending. We saw the Jets take Jamal Adams sixth overall two years ago. He played all over the place for Todd Bowles. He played outside linebacker. He played on the edge. He played free safety, strong safety, single high safety, and slot corner. And even sometimes in the middle of the field is kind of, you know, a weird money backer type of role. So Jamal Adams has played everywhere. The Dolphins are going to do the same exact thing with Minka Fitzpatrick. And that does wonders for defensive coordinators that are worried about matchup problems.
0: Yes, Ed, speaking of matchup problems, the Dolphins probably got two in this draft. One was Mike Jasicki in round two, but another one that can't be slept on is the fourth-round selection of Arizona State running back Kalen Balaj, which could be a major steal. In a recent article on NFL.com, Bucky Brooks mentioned Balaj as a sleeper offensive rookie of the year candidate for 2018. And the Dolphins could probably have a lot of ways to get Balaj in space, especially if you put him and Mike Jasicki on the field at the same time. Do you see Belage making as big of an impact as Mike Jasicki this year?
1: It's an interesting point because I think at some point somebody's going to have to handle the load in Miami. When you look at that running back depth chart, okay, Frank Gore is kind of on his final legs there, going down there this year. Kenyon Drake is a fun, explosive player, but he's hurt often. So Belage, at some point is going to be the starting running back, I think, this year, or the featured back. I don't know if it'll be off the top, but I think down the road it very well could be. Now, he really came and went at times at Arizona State. When you look at his career, there was times where he lived in the end zone, and there was games where he completely disappeared. So what Caitlin Bellage are we going to get? I thought he was a little quicker and more explosive than what we expected at the Senior Bowl, which is a really good sign. Maybe he ends up being a way better pro and somebody to be excited about. So I, I like the potential of Bellage. I think when you look at Gaseki though, he's going to be on the field much earlier as an offensive weapon for Ryan Tannehill. That's a really good connection. Gusecki going to be a move tight end that H kind of role. He's going to live in the red zone, hopefully climbing above defensive backs for touchdown to help out Tannehill. So they're going to be used, obviously, very differently in terms of how productive each can be, because I think Gusecki is going to really make a killing in the red zone, while Balaj might actually be a featured in-between-the-tackles kind of runner later on down the season. So you got to like the value of both of those picks to help out this Miami offense where Adam Gase right now needs all the help he can get to hold on to that job.
0: Oh, he most certainly does. And speaking of jobs, uh, there is no job security, like being the head coach of the new England Patriots, even though that, Rain might be coming to an end in the near future. Bill Belichick and Tom Brady are still rolling on, as evidenced by this draft class. And they had two first-round picks, and one of them uh, that intrigued me the most was Sony Michel. And when I was uh, broadcasting on draft night, I told a friend he might not play the same position as Brandon Cooks, but in essence replaces Brandon Cooks as that new home-run threat in the Patriots' offense. Uh, do you share that view, and would you be surprised if he ends up being their lead back this year?
1: Oh, I think he will be their lead back this year. The biggest question with Sony Michelle is can he stay healthy throughout the full season? That's the biggest hope with him. But, I mean, when you look at his ability to plug and play into this offense, yes, they do have some pieces there in New England. They brought Rex Burkhead back. James White is still there. Mike Gillisley is still there. They have Jeremy Hill. Brandon Bolden. It's really insane how many running backs they have. But Sony Michelle is the most talented out of those guys. And it's not really close. He's elusive in the open field. He's a much better pass catcher than he got to prove while at Georgia. They had that three-headed you know, backfield rotation between him, Nick Chubb and Swift, the freshman. So Michelle's a guy that when he's featured, he's going to be very effective. He has some fumbling issues to control. You do wonder about the long-term health, or at least there's rumblings about that. But when you look at Michelle, this is a guy that had, you know, late first round talent and that's when new England took him. And new England has also done a pretty nice job of building an offensive line, a revamped offensive line in front of him for them to be able to run the football. So New England, you know, it's always really a wild card of picking who's going to get all the touches out of that backfield, but I think they finally have a real go-to kind of player.
0: Oh, they most certainly do, and I can't wait to see how he looks with Tom Brady and that offense this season. And their other first-round draft choice, which came at 23 overall, was another guy we saw down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl and Isaiah Win. and this was another quintessential Patriots pick given his versatility. He could play multiple offensive wide spots, was an amazing tackle for Georgia. He um, most likely will slide inside at the pro level, and uh, early reports out of Patriots camp is that they – plan to play him at left guard and have Trent Brown, believe it or not, uh, be left tackle. Uh, Do you think uh, the Patriots are smart to play him at guard, or would would it be wiser for them, given their tackle situation, to have him play left tackle this year, especially uh, given the fact that Brady throws the ball very quickly and he's not going to have to do too much?
1: Oh, I think it's very wise to play him at guard. This is one of my favorite picks of the first round when you look back on everything. When you look at Wynn, he's a guy that I said can be a Pro Bowl guard or an average tackle. So you want to maximize your first-round picks. Play him at guard. He's very athletic to get on the outside and open up the outside run. He's very strong on in the interior to really protect the passer. And like you said, Tom Brady's going to get the football out. This life is going to be a little easy on Isaiah Wynn. And not saying he, he played with a pretty good quarterback at Georgia and Jake Fromm and had some great running backs running behind him. But now he's going to New England with Tom Brady. This is really, this is a great fit for anyone. But when you look at Wynn, he's going to be an impact player from the start. And I love his impact on the inside, at guard over tackle.
0: As do most of the league as well. And uh, last but not least, aside from uh, Sony Michelle, and Isaiah Wynn, which other players from this Patriots draft class do you see providing them an immediate contribution in 2018?
1: I actually was a big fan of two very late picks. I think Braxton Berrios and Ryan Izzo are are not going to be necessarily starting type players, but, Braxton Berrios, it's funny when you look at him, it's really they replaced Danny Amendola is what it feels like. And he can also return punts. He was a very good punt returner at Miami. When you look at Ryan Izzo, the tight end they took in the seventh round, I thought he was a fourth round player. I thought he was one of the best blocking tight ends in this entire class. He has very soft hands. He catches everything. He just didn't get a lot of opportunities when DeAndre Francois went down at Florida State last year and they had to turn to the backup quarterback. Izzo was relied on more heavily as a blocker rather than a pass catcher. So that's great value in the seventh round. Rob Gronkowski, it's no secret he's been banged up in the past. I think Izzo can get on the field and be very effective. So New England did well to get some value on that day three of this year's draft.
0: He is Connor Rogers, ladies and gentlemen. He is the co-host of the Stick to Football podcast with world-class NFL draft analyst, Bleach Report's very own Matt Miller. You could catch Connor's work on Bleach Report as well as TurnontheJets dot com. We interviewed Joe Caparoso on this podcast earlier, so that's a fantastic website for Jets fans. And you can follow him on Twitter at Connor J Rogers. Connor, thank you so much once again for donating time out of your extremely busy schedule. We appreciate you and we hope to have you back on in the very near future.
1: Oh, no problem, David. Thanks for having me, man. Take it easy, all right? Will
0: do, Connor. Thank you. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch with d Crom. Be sure to check out the episode archive as well as an up-to-date blog of mine at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Connor, especially since there's never an off-season for talking football. For Connor Rogers, our producer Chris Broadhead, this is David Cromwell saying so long, and as usual, stay awesome.